I don't recall who first said this to me or where I first read it, but it's an idea that has really stuck with me. The places, businesses, people we support now in this really difficult time will determine what the world looks like when, eventually, the pandemic is behind us. So if you want Amazon to take over the world, shop there. If you want the neighborhood shops to survive, order curbside pickup or from their Etsy stores. If you want to keep local musicians playing, watch their live stream and throw some money in their Venmo tip jar. If you don't care about that, there's always YouTube. You could live in a town where the only food options are a drive through fast food place or big corporate fast casual stops. Or you could show some love to your neighbors who put love in every meal they prepare at their restaurant. That sentiment has really guided a lot of the things that I've done the way I've spent my money over the past few months. And I have been really proud, actually, to see the all-local everything movement really taking root around St. Louis. I mean, lines out the door to pick up locally made bread? Socially distant crowds at the farmer's market? Amazing. But the unfortunate reality of it is that even doing all we can can only do so much. Talking restaurants here, a lot of these places are deep in the red, losing catering gigs, food festivals, events, and of course, months of open dining rooms. Even with some able to reopen, they can't have the capacity they used to. They're required to keep empty space between diners, and even if that weren't the case, some diners just aren't crossing the threshold into their favorite restaurants yet, or able to order takeout as much as they'd like to. But the good news? Some lawmakers are exploring ways to pick up the tab. Listeners, sometimes you have to talk politics at the table, and this is one of those times. Today on Abbey Eats St. Louis, the Restaurants Act. We elect these people, their job is to serve us, so like no one should be afraid to ask for things. You know, that's, that's why they're there. So I, I'm just trying to get that message out. We'll explain the meaning behind the legislation that all your favorite restaurateurs are tweeting about right now, what you can do to help, and the reality of why they still need it. Hospitality is looking so different to us right now, and we're trying our best. Plus, food news and upcoming events. Tara Galena is a busy woman, trying to keep her livelihood alive while navigating this crazy 2020 world. I could see a flurry of activity behind her in the Zoom window while we chatted, her mask still hanging on her face. Not only does she run Visia, the critically acclaimed but also approachably delicious center of the Cortex Innovation District with her husband, Chef Michael, the couple has also, in the past year, acquired Winslow's home, now Winslow's Table, serving up elevated comfort food in an adorable new city space. Oh, and they also have a young daughter. Yeah. What did you envision for 2020? Oh my God, we were like having just, it was great. You know, it was like we had just gotten our sea legs with Winslow's. We'd opened in November, like February. We we're like, okay, we're getting a rhythm. Like we have all these great regulars. You know, it was just, it felt so good. You know, this year we had just like the week, maybe like three days before we had to shut down, we had gotten the news from, you know, the post dispatch that we were the top restaurant in St. Louis again. Like it was just like a great time. You know, we were like so many awesome ideas for this year, you know, so I feel selfish complaining about that. You know, it's like, actually, all that stuff doesn't matter to me anymore at all. I could care less. But, you know, it was it was such like a 180. It was extreme. So, you know, at this point, I'm just looking for a way to make sure we can break even to a point where we can at least cover all of our expenses and keep our employees working and, you know, hopefully make up, um, you know, 
make up the difference next year at some point. You know, um, I'm not looking to make money right now. I'm just looking to, you know, make ends meet. (laughs) Yeah. Also, you're kind of an advocate right now, too. You picked up another role in all of this somehow. So much time. I don't know. (laughs) Tell me about what you've been doing with the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Yeah. So, you know, it's been, you know, as you mentioned, just crazy. And on top of all of the daily stress of trying to manage a business and keep people safe, um, you know, we're also taking a huge financial, um, you know, uh, stress uh, as well from trying to make up for being closed for two months, um, as both of our restaurants were, um, you know, and then, you know, trying to make the most of operating a, a on a good day, 50%, you know, uh, down in sales from previous, you know, history versus, you know, as high as 75 on some days. So, you know, there's, there needs to be help, um, for businesses like mine and so many, not just here in St. Louis, but across the country. And, and so, uh, you know, when I found out that there was a group of people that I really respected in the industry nationwide working to, um, you know, lobby for support from, from Congress, I just, I don't know. I did the, the former student government, government, you know, <laughs> representative in me, uh, I just couldn't raise your hand I, and said, I, okay, I, pick me. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. That's always how I've been my whole life, I guess. But, um, I just felt like I had to do something, even if, you know, it was just awareness, but you know, in the, the, the weeks that have passed and, and leading up to, um, some big decisions being made in Congress right now, I just have been trying to put the pressure on and what that means is, um, we are asking for, um, a bipartisan bill that is, um, been presented in both the House and Senate right now um, to be taken seriously, which is the Restaurants Act. The real economic support that acknowledges unique restaurant assistance needed to survive, also known as the Restaurants Act of 2020. As introduced by a congressman from Oregon, the act acknowledges how the restaurant industry and its 11 million employees have been uniquely devastated by the economic impacts of the coronavirus. Quote, from farm workers and fishermen to truck drivers and restaurant workers, the restaurant industry provides a $1 trillion annual boost to the United States economy, to say nothing of supporting of tens of millions of individuals and families' livelihoods, it reads. The introduction also cites surveys that explain how dire the situation is. In April, 5.5 million restaurant workers lost jobs. Today, 4 in 10 restaurants are closed. Those that are open are dealing with decimated revenues. More than 70% of salaried employees and more than 90% of hourly employees have been laid off. And the National Bureau of Economic Research predicts only 15% of restaurants will be able to stay open if the pandemic lasts just another few months, which it's almost certain to. So what does this bill propose? Essentially, establishing a $120 billion forgivable grant program for food and drink establishments and caterers to stay open through 2020 to cover the difference between revenue from last year and what they're expecting to now make this year, covering payroll, benefits, mortgage and rent, utilities, supplies, including PPE, food, debt to suppliers, and other essential expenses. It would be for places that aren't publicly traded or part of a chain with more than 20 locations doing business under the same name. Restaurants that bring in a million and a half dollars or less every year will be given priority to apply in the first two weeks. This is in order to target local small restaurants, especially those owned and operated by women, people of color and veterans. It's making its way through both the House of Representatives and Congress, House Resolution 7197 and Senate Resolution 4012. Of the 435 members of the House, 
176 of them have added their name to this, including three Republicans. Missouri's representative for St. Louis, Lacey Clay, signed on as a co-sponsor, as well as eight reps from Illinois. Illinois Senators Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin are both co-sponsors of the Restaurants Act in the Senate, too. Durbin telling us through a spokesperson, I've heard from restaurant owners and workers about the financial hardships they're facing during the pandemic. Congress must provide assistance to keep those restaurants, many of which are small businesses, and their employees afloat during this national crisis. We reached out to Senators Roy Blunt and Josh Hawley in Missouri. While neither of the Republicans oppose the Restaurants Act, both are pushing for help in different forms. Senator Blunt told us in an email, quote, There's still more work to be done to support Missouri businesses and employees as they deal with the ongoing challenges of the pandemic. I've co-sponsored the Restart Act, which would help restaurants and other types of businesses by building on the success of the PPP. The bill creates a new economic relief program that increases flexibility, expands eligibility so more businesses can access aid, and provides loan forgiveness for the hardest-hit businesses, end quote. The Restart Act, by the way, is endorsed by the National Restaurant Association. Senator Hawley's been promoting his Rehire America plan, also centered around jobs, telling us in an email, quote, any relief from Congress needs to be focused on getting Missourians their jobs back and giving businesses the ability to hire new workers. He goes on to say his plan would help other small businesses even beyond the restaurant industry. However, Tara thinks the specificity of the Restaurants Act is really needed because of the specific situations the industry faces and to ensure the money goes to those who need it most. As opposed to everybody just getting here's X amount of dollars, you know, it would really be more appropriate for those businesses that really need it. So um, there are some people doing really great right now, which is awesome and I'm super happy for them, you know, but this is not meant for those big businesses or for people that have not seen, you know, a dip in, in sales. This is for people who really truly have lost. Uh, it would help us pay payroll. It would help us pay rent. It would help us pay our utilities. But also the big part of this, I think, is all of the infrastructure changes we're having to make. So, you know, in my, you know, where I'm buying plexiglass, you know, screens for, you know, all of our customer interacting areas, um, you know, we're buying umbrellas like crazy, you know, to, to make the outside work, all of the PPE supplies, I mean, all of that. So um, getting some assistance um, through the end of the year is really um, important um, for restaurants to be able to survive. And so many have closed already. And, you know, the reality is that many more will um, if, if help doesn't come. The Independent Restaurant Coalition, the IRC, the group Tara's been working with to push this, is a new thing. Think of nearly any business, profession, industry, product. There are lobbyists at work in state capitals and in Washington to guard their interests. But with the local restaurants around the country, well, despite the strong sense of community within the industry, they haven't ever actually had that unified voice before. Now, facing the collective threat of the pandemic, they've come together. And Tara thinks that's really helping make real change. I think so. I mean, and that's that's really what I've been trying to do is to get people to take the time and to make those phone calls and send those emails because it's, you know, uh, when they keep hearing from us about the same thing, you know, eventually they have to start listening. Um, and I think, you know, this is not a political issue. You know, we're just talking about, you know, helping our businesses survive. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe in, you know, this is, this is something that impacts everybody. And, and I think thinking about the restaurant industry, you know, it's not just our servers and our cooks, it is the companies that supply us and support us. And that is a huge network. Um, all of the drivers that bring all these products everywhere. I mean, like there are so many parts of, um, you know, industry uh, that 
are related to restaurants and they are all suffering, you know, because of our, our decline uh, right now. So it's just so much bigger that I think people realize. So, um, you know, the more people that can, can make noise about this, you know, I think the more seriously it can be perceived. And even if this exact bill isn't passed, I think the items we're asking for, I hope will be included in whatever moves forward. Um, so just advocating for our, our best interests, I think, you know, is what we have to do. And, and we elect these people, their job is to serve us. So like no one should be afraid to, ask for things, you know, that's, that's why they're there. So I, I'm just trying to get that message out. I mean, we're a huge revenue generator here in the state of Missouri. Um, you know, if you think about um, the jobs that we create for so many people, I mean, from young people to people who are, you know, transitioning different things in their lives, who view this as a career. I mean, like there are all walks of life that, you know, that work at restaurants and the, the majority of people who have filed for unemployment claims during this pandemic are restaurant workers. Um, you know, those that are concerned with getting those employment numbers better need to think about that. If we can be putting them to work or at least being able to pay them to keep them safe, uh, you know, they're gonna see uh, a better uptick in their unemployment numbers, which I know matters a lot. Um, we are putting money back into the state's coffers. Think about the sales tax that we that we you know generate through um, you know our restaurants. That money isn't going anywhere if we don't exist. You know, the, the sales tax revenue pays for so many things, you know, to keep the state moving, the city moving. You know, so there's, it's not just, hey, we need help, you know, bail us out. Um, you know, this is something that happened to us without our doing, you know, and is, even if we were the most prepared and we all had our cash reserves, nobody was prepared for this. Restaurants, you know, have to operate on thin margins just to survive on a good day, you know, let alone right now. So I think thinking about how much money we pump into the state um, and how many jobs we create and support, um, I think those are two huge pieces that, you know, without restaurants would, would be a, a really uh, a devastating thing to the state of Missouri. The CARES Act seemed like it had a lot to offer. Uh, we were waiting for details about that, and then the terms come out, and it seemed like, wow, this could be a really great option for a lot of people. And then in action, we realized, one, um, how few people were actually going to wind up being able to get any kind of help like that. But then, two, I think June 1st or maybe July 1st, I don't time is a weird construct, but there was a deadline for the time by which restaurants were supposed to be up and running again that now looking back at it in August seems absolutely insane that we thought that things would be back to normal by then. That's, that's the problem. I mean, I, you know, our business did get fortunate enough to receive a PPP loan. It, without it, this, I wouldn't be talking to you today as a business owner. I, I fully believe that, um, you know, so I'm very grateful for that. But again, it was targeted for a two month period. At first it wasn't, it was eight weeks, you know, yeah. thank God with our voices. And a lot of that was the IRC um, was fighting for that extension. So I think, you know, we made huge headways there, but you know, besides that, like we're, you know, we're, we're looking at months, you know, not just a two month period. So, you know, they've got to come up with some other form of help that is meant to extend through this, you know, duration where, you know, everyone, even the experts are saying, you know, we're not looking at a vaccine until early next year, you know, so there's no way that we can all feel safely about bringing people back into our restaurants in, in large capacities, you know, until that time. So, you know, uh, they've got to structure something that makes sense for the long term. Here in the Midwest, I mean, frankly, I only feel comfortable going to a restaurant and sitting outside at this point. As you mentioned, yeah. you want your dining options to be limited to outside right now. But we have gorgeous weather right now, but that's not always the case. That's not the case year round here. You know, we, it rained almost every day last week, you know, yeah. right now we're, you know, half of our sales come from our patio and we were dead last week because of pork, you know, I mean, yeah. I, 
that, you know, we're just making it work the best we can, but we're still, you know, we can't send our, our employees home. We still have to keep them working and we still have to keep paying them, you know, good weather or bad weather, you know, so it, it all is, you know, way too circumstantial to, to be dependent on. Yeah, but that being said, when it comes to the Restaurant Act, is there going to be any provision there that would pay a restaurant essentially to be closed or to have whether it has to shut down because of the circumstances? I mean, I think the money, how you use it is so long as it fits the parameters, which are some things that I talked about, you know, which are the overhead that don't go away if we close, you know, I think that would be fine. Um, uh, If anything, you know, I think my dream would be to be like one day someone would say, okay, you can close. We're going to pay all your bills <laughs> and then one day you can reopen when it's safe. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen, but you know, I mean, that's, you know, we're being put in a really tough spot because we're asking people to come to work where they're being exposed more so than, than most other jobs to people. Um, if you think about not wearing a mask and I'm not going to turn this into a whole rant on my belief on mask wearing, but you know, for people who are bringing people inside of restaurants, it's one of the few places or if any places you're going to go right now where not everyone's wearing a mask while they're indoors. You're eating your food, you're drinking, you have to take it off. Your servers while are wearing a mask, everyone else isn't. You know, that's a huge liability and it's, it's makes us fearful. And it's like, we are deciding between keeping our employees safe, but also like keeping our business alive. Like they're putting us in an impossible situation to make that choice every day. You know, again, we didn't choose this, you know, and I know no one did, but you know, they're, if we're going to help an industry, you know, I think restaurants, you know, really need that support. Well, besides reminding people that they should reach out to their lawmakers, uh, Tara, is there anything else that you feel like you want to talk about as it relates to this or just life in general right now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for you. Yeah, I know. Um, It's just, you know, I think please have patience and respect for, for those working at restaurants. You know, again, like I've been talking about, it's a really hard thing for the employees to do, especially those at places that are doing full service, which we're not, but you know, that's, you know, they're putting themselves on the front line of, of interaction. I think a huge gesture is anytime a server comes up to your table, you should put your mask on. I know that they say you don't have to have it while you're eating and drinking, but if you're interacting with a server, the, the respect that you show um, is, is tremendous um, to be able to take that next step. I wish that was a rule. It's not, but you know, I think that's a, something people should be doing. Um, don't yell at people because you don't like the policies. You know, we're all unhappy with how we're having to operate. You know, hospitality is looking so different to us right now and we're trying our best, but you know, the, the people that come up and just want to start something, you know, it's just, it's so disheartening. So I just, you know, would ask that people just think about what it would be like to put themselves in the shoes of, you know, these workers and they're doing it because they have to, you know, that we have to, we all have to work. We all have to make a living. So, um, I just ask for you to call on your Congressman and then <laughs> to please be responsible. So the Independent Restaurant Coalition wants to make it very easy for you to do exactly what Tara says, which is reach out to your lawmakers. You can do that online. Um, We will have a link to that in our story notes. Essentially, you can sign up to send recurring emails to make sure that your voice is heard and that your legislators, whether you're in Missouri, Illinois, or listening to us from somewhere else, know that this is something that you support. 
I'm looking out my window where it is very stormy and rainy and knowing somewhere out there also looking at a stormy, rainy sky is producer Dory joining me now. Hello. You might hear the thunder behind me. Yeah. And you know, this is crazy because as I was talking to Tara, that's obviously something that came up, which is our crazy weather situation. And just now looking outside and knowing that this is a bunch of restaurants that aren't doing lunch service right now or might not be able to do dinner service right now. This is just every time it rains now, I look outside and think that it's not just a bad weather day. It's a bad business day for so many of these restaurants here. Right. It's a hurdle that I hadn't really even thought about considering all the changes that we've had to undergo that these restaurant owners when they are open for patio service, they are really relying on that. And when our weather is not cooperating, that's no good. And that also makes me worried, you know, heading into our winter season, who knows what's going to happen out here in St. Louis. Let's move on to some food news, Dory. Uh, Speaking of the coronavirus, there's some news there, but then we also have some other mostly really good food news this week. So let's get through the coronavirus stuff first and then go to some good news. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. So another big event canceled due to the coronavirus. The Kimswick Apple Butter Festival is off. This is the city's biggest event of the year. They usually have like 100,000 people. And I think it was upwards of like 600 vendors. So think about all the people who were impacted by this one event in this small Jefferson County town. Um, It's now off. It's usually the last weekend of October. Kimswick city leaders said this was a difficult decision, but they wanted to keep everyone safe. And they also wanted to remind everyone that all of those cute little shops and businesses are still open for your business right now. Yes. And there are still ways to support, but, you know, once again, we saw, I remember in March events for July getting canceled. And I think it's probably a lot easier for them to cancel now, as opposed to waiting till mid September after maybe people have put the money into mm-hmm. creating products or travel expenses and things like that. But exactly. You know, well, okay. We get, like we said though, apple butter sweet, but the news wasn't very sweet. So let's get to some better news story. Yes. I am always on the hunt, and I think you are too, Abby, for a good chicken wing. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we have a- (laughs) Looking for chicken wings, yes. I'm out there. Um, We have a new option. This one is now open in the Grove. It comes from our friends at Beast. They just opened up Wing Runner. It's a concept that they opened up in their Grove location. It's focusing on takeout and delivery. Right now, you can order online or through their walk-up window at that location on Manchester. It's a small menu for for now, but they're planning on adding to it. And the things that they do have on the menu are just so packed with flavor and sound so intriguing. Yeah. Um, some of their options include a fish sauce caramel wing, a roasted shishito lime, and habanero jerk. Oh my gosh, all of those sound so good to me. And fish sauce, if you're not super familiar with it, because like fish sauce sounds gross. It is like kind of a tangy flavor. Um, I guess it tastes better than it sounds though. Yes, it does. It totally does. And it's, it's really, it's flavorful. And I think that that's like, it's a little on, it's on the saltier side. So adding the Mm -hmm. caramel to it, I think would be really intriguing. And I mean, I love jerk seasoning. Mm, That sounds really good. So, oh, They sent us pictures of them and they all look so flavorful and so good and really saucy too, which is key. Um, But there also is one other option they're going to have on the menu. They're going to have 
smoked cauliflower wings, they, you know, like a vegetarian quote unquote wings option. Yeah. I think it sounds really good. It'd be like a really good um, maybe appetizer for those of us who are also getting regular wings. Yeah. I like the cauliflower concept too, because um, it's kind of like why I order tofu at Asian restaurants a lot of times, like Thai restaurants, especially because then you can get more of like the flavor without getting filled up by the meat. Mm. I think sometimes cauliflower wings let you just basically eat a bunch of sauce for dinner and not feel too <laughs> bad about it. So man, that is going to have to be a dinner option for me coming up here soon. For sure. And they are now open. So you can get on out there and get it. Awesome. Um, Well, we've got another restaurant coming to St. Louis. And when I say it's a new Italian restaurant, I literally mean Italian restaurant. This is restaurateur Mario. I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's Mario Icaturino. 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 involved. (laughs) Yes. Well, he wow, has that's an Italian-looking name. <laughs> yes, it is. Somebody, if you want to let us know how this is pronounced, it's I-A-C-C-A-R-I-N-O. Yacarino. Yacarino. I don't know. Yes, I like it. <laughs> anyway, he's got locations all over the world. He's opening his first one in America right here in St. Louis. It's going to be called Casa Don Alfonso. It's going to be at the Ritz-Carlton. They're expecting it to open this fall. They don't exactly have an open date yet. Um, but we do know that they're going to be bringing the family's Mediterranean style recipes that have been passed down through the generations. And some of these options sound really, really good. They have a Sorrento style gnocchi. Ooh. I loved this next one. Grandmother Titina's Zitti. Sounds so good. <laughs> And an anti-aging soup. I am in to try that one. Oh my gosh. Well, if it's Mediterranean anti-aging, I mean, you know, they've, they've got some stuff figured out with that. That sounds fabulous. And it, what does that tell you though about how St. Louis is still such a well-known Italian city? You know, we have, uh, we, we have so many connections to that. And the fact that an Italian restaurateur would pick St. Louis uh, and not just Italian, but you know, foodie town. So love that. Yes. Um, what an honor for us. And really, like you said, uh, a good indication that we know what we're doing here in St. Louis with our Italian food and the hill and all that. So that's a little bit more on the elevated side, being at the Ritz-Carlton and whatnot. But, you know, if you just are kind of a grab-and-go burger kind of person, this next one might be for you. This next one and maybe a little bit of a road trip. Yeah. Uh, Whataburger has announced they're expanding into Missouri. So Whataburger is really popular down in the South, especially in Texas. You'll probably recognize the logo. It's a W with um, orange and white stripes. The logo is one of my favorite parts about it, actually. I'm yeah, not it's really, lie. <laughs> it's really iconic. Um, well, they're bringing that brand up to Missouri, not in St. Louis, unfortunately. It's going to be in Kansas City. They're also opening in Tennessee, though, which could be an option for us here in St. Louis, too. Um, they haven't exactly said where these locations are going to be or when they're opening, but it is happening. So Whataburger coming to Missouri. It's so funny to see how people, so I went to school in Indiana and we had a lot of um, West Coast California people there. And so they were obsessed with In-N-Out Burger. And I have a friend who swears that one of the reasons she moved to California was because she loved In-N-Out Burger so much. (laughs) And then you have the people in the South and like you said, like that Texas area who love Whataburger. What do you think is the like go-to St. Louis burger chain if you are a ride or die for our local burger? I would say Steak and Shake, but 
a lot of these locations have closed recently. So I don't I know. know. I, I would say Steak and Shake too. I love a thin smash burger like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shake Shack hits the spot when I know I can't get Steak and Shake, but I would say prior to, you know, the last year or two, Steak and Shake would definitely be the go-to burger place in town. Maybe White Castle? Question mark. <gasps> oh yeah. Certain times of day for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or night. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so I haven't had White Castle in a hot second because usually it involves partying for me and I haven't been partying in quite some time either. So that is definitely not the best <laughs> thing I had to eat this week. But Dory, what is the best thing you had to eat this week? Well, speaking of burgers, mine actually was a burger. Awesome. Um, got Retreat Gastropub. I had been, both my husband and I, had been waiting for them to reopen since the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah. They were the first place that we got, like, when all of the dining rooms closed and we were just think back to mid-March when like the world felt like it was in chaos. Yeah. I remember I was practically in tears asking Jason, like, can we please just get takeout from somewhere this week? I need something normal. And what we got then was retreat and it was so good. Um, but then they closed like a week or two later and they yeah. just reopened, I think two weeks ago now. So we got that this weekend. It was so good. The burger is seasoned so well. Their fries, speaking of steak and shake, they're really thin, mm-hmm. uh, like steak and shake They have fries. really good fries, yeah. They're, they're really good. Um, so got that this week. Really hit the spot. Kind of a little bit of a full circle moment there for us with getting them. And I'm so happy to see them back open. And they seem to be doing well. They had service inside and outside, and they were bustling. That's awesome. You know what's funny is I only got takeout once since the last time we talked, and I also got a burger. Mine was from West End Girl and Pub, actually. I just like sometimes you can make a burger at home, you can get a fast food drive through burger, and I love a smash burger, don't get me wrong, but sometimes mm-hmm. those really thick, like juicy, well seasoned restaurant burgers are they hit the spot. Yes. But the best thing I had to eat this week, and part of the reason I haven't eaten out as much in the past week, is because I went camping. That's a thing that I do in 2020. (laughs) Um, Just down to Merrimack and literally stayed in a tent, uh, had no electricity, no cell phone service. You tried to text me and I didn't respond. So that's why, Dory. (laughs) Hey, Uh, I was jealous. I knew you were out on the river and that sounded great to me. I would have loved to be there. It was awesome. If anybody has even considered camping or if anybody is like, I don't camp, that's not a thing I do, but your other vacation plans for this year have been canceled or whatever. It was just amazing to unplug like that. And for the first time ever, I made campfire food, like actual campfire food. I grew up camping with my grandparents, but we had a camper that, and he obviously brought his big barbecue grill and cooked everything Mm -hmm. there. I was a child. I did not do the cooking, but, (laughs) um, made pork steaks because, you know, St. Louis, um, had some pork steaks cooked over an actual fire, like on the grill right there. It took forever to get the <laughs> fire like hot enough and hot enough, yeah, good. Sure. Uh, threw some, wrapped some baked potatoes in some tin foil and threw that under wrapped regular potatoes and made them into baked potatoes by throwing them in the fire, letting those go. And just the pork steaks were so stinking good. And Mm -hmm. it was just, you know, made some zucchini too, like grilled that up. And it was just really nice. And it was, um, you know, an inexpensive meal, put a little sweat um, into making it. And 
the environment was fabulous. So that was the best thing I had to eat this week. And one of the best things, actually the best thing I've cooked all summer for sure. So yeah, that sounds good. Something about them in the moment like that and doing it yourself, you know, on the land makes it even better. Yes. A woman of the land. That's what I am. So that's what I think of when I think of you, Abby. (laughs) I mean, I am, I used to love like Pocahontas as a kid. So, you know, I was singing uh, Colors of the Wind all weekend in my head. So (laughs) if eating outside is your thing, we have some options. That's one of the options we have for this weekend and our weekend planner. We are talking about the weekend of August 14th through 16th, maybe your last weekend before going back to school, perhaps, Um, even if going back to school doesn't mean going back to school, but yeah, an an interesting one, but that, um, let's get into our weekend planner. Yes. So on Friday, we've got Alfresco at the MX near Wash Ave downtown. This is where they've got the table spaced out. You can grab food from a bunch of the places down um, on Wash Ave near 6th and Locust, I believe, is where the street is blocked off there. So that's continuing this week. There's also live music with that. And then Friday and Saturday, the streeteries are continuing in the Central West End. And I think there's an there's more places participating now. I just double checked the list last week and there were maybe like four or five additional uh, restaurants participating. So I can link to that in our uh, episode notes as well. Lots of places there on the Central West End where you can eat in the street. I love that. And I know that one of my big traditions that I like to do before with my family before going back to school, you might hear my dog chewing the plastic <laughs> toy that she has right in here. I don't know. We're going to let that happen. We're going to let that happen. We're going to keep that in because life. Um, Yes. So I know um, back to school, one of the things I like to do before going back to school is the night before going out for ice cream. And this could be a good option for you this Saturday. Boardwalk waffles and ice cream. They're going to be having their grand opening for their new location. It's in the same block as it once was in Maplewood there, but it's a few shops down get this, they're growing from 350 feet, a 350 foot square, square foot space to 2,200 square feet. Um, so a lot more space. Hopefully that means more space for some social distancing inside there, but they're also going to have some new waffle flavors, uh, as well as 24 ice cream flavors, as well as for parents who are maybe, uh, (laughs) Maybe back to school means just back to the dining room and uh, virtual learning. Liquor <laughs> infused snakes or shakes, not snakes. <laughs> shakes will be there soon once you get a lick. Once they get their liquor license ready, uh, to go pints, frozen waffles that you can take home with you. They're gonna have waffle brunch on the weekends. So boardwalk waffles, uh, really growing, and they're gonna be celebrating that this weekend. Yes, and also Saturday, another little fun family event you can do. Nine Mile Garden is reopening. They closed for a couple weeks, I think, to sort of readjust to St. Louis County's um, coronavirus restriction changes that happened recently. But they're back open this week. They're returning to their movie night. So Saturday at 6 p.m., they're going to be showing King Kong, the 2005 version, if you're particular about that. That's the one that um, has, has Nicole Kidman or Jack Black or something like that. I, don't know. I, think, I, Jack, I think I saw that in theaters. I think I did, too, and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> My friends dragged me to it. I'm not yeah, sure. Same, same. <laughs> um, but that's starting at 6, which is earlier than usual. Uh, people are encouraged to bring your own lawn chairs and picnic bath or picnic blankets no outside food or drinks, though. So there'll be plenty of food trucks there for you to 
partake in and browse. That's awesome. And also browsing around, if you, you know, have taken a special interest this year in trying to support um, Black-owned businesses, uh, Saturday will be an opportunity for you to kind of peruse and check out some different places uh, at the Black Wall Street Festival. So while a lot of things are getting canceled, this one is something that's new. Um, It's going to be a platform essentially for local small businesses to get their names out there and giving you, showing you the different options that you have here. And it's not, it might be a place that you don't normally go visit. So it's going to be at the historic Wellston loop that's on MLK drive and Hodemont. So, um, take a trip and maybe go meet some business owners and explore the diversity that St. Louis really does have to offer. Very cool. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a five in your side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Our theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. I can pronounce their names, just not the Italian chef's name. I'll learn, <laughs> I'll learn that one. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so that we are in your feed, fresh and hot, every time we drop every week. And leave us a rating review as well. Um, our email address is podcast at ksbk.com if you have any story tips or ideas or any other feedback. And you can also hit us up on Instagram or at Abby Eats St. Louis. Have a fabulous, fabulous weekend. We can't wait to talk to you again next week. And until then, see you the place.